Welcome to the Dead Format, episode 132. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined by the uh, melatonin monster. I don't know what what is what are you, Tom? The uh, sleep? What the bobolach? What what's what's the uh, what's the white person word for like the sleep monster? I, I'm actually I'm not sure what the sleep monster is, but I I definitely fucked up. I I thought we were recording tomorrow night, and we're back in school in person, so I'm up super early. And eight o'clock rolled around, and I was like, "All right, like I could, I could go to bed now." But just to make sure, I'm gonna fall asleep. Let me, let me have some of these melatonins. So I, I'm starting to get that feeling like I just want to like melt into a bed. But we have an awesome <laughs> guest on today, so I can't do that. Yeah, bro. I I used to love melatonin. By the way, like it's always uh, one of the most fun games is take a bunch of melatonin and then stay up, right? Like you oh, ever do I, that? like I, I can't do that. But I think I'm oh, liking man. I'm liking the melatonin we have in the house more since I've been trying to like eat no carb because they're fucking chocolate flavored and they're like <laughs> after after not after not eating anything like that, you're like, Oh man, these vitamins are fucking delicious. Bro, you're like one of those anorexic bitches eating flistone vitamins right now. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie, like I kept my like my gummy vitamins because they like they taste good. <laughs> it's <laughs> oh, so sad man yeah i'm glad you're uh making it through the keto though, so. <laughs> well you should have seen great. some of the food i made though like the the actual like uh yeah i got a smoker and i've been going crazy with it it's been awesome oh yeah that thing looks sick bro you gotta uh cook some shit up when i'm back dude so the pit event sold out yeah it Did sold out that? a day a day and a half two days oh yeah i shot out i shot out a bunch of messages to people who i know like have asked me about going to magic events, but still, like, haven't booked anything. And uh, my buddy Jeremy booked a ticket. I think I'm driving down with him and Rodney. Uh, maybe a few other people, but we'll uh, we'll see what's going on with that. I can't wait. Yeah, bro. Uh, me too. But I don't want to uh, bury the lead anymore. We got the most requested guest, up to this point, the most requested guest that we have not yet had on the podcast, right? Uh, we have the Negator 77 the cabaret 77 uh tom hep what's going on bro how much how you doing uh we're doing pretty well man we're excited to have you on i know our guests our uh, listeners rather are excited to have you on and i think this is gonna be a, a hell of a schmood really the three of us just chilling because you said to me that you haven't been playing much magic recently right i have not no barely any so it's what's probably yeah what's that about uh initially it started from um i played a little bit too much magic i think (laughs) (laughs) so i suffered a little bit of uh burnout and i just wanted to uh establish a more healthy relationship with the game i guess is the best way to put it so i planned on taking some amount of time off until i had the urge to come back and come back um with a little bit more of a more casual vibe towards uh towards enjoying it and uh, getting it back to where it previous previous levels for myself and um the urge just hasn't hit me to come back yet so. yeah it, it seems like like for for a lot of magic players it, it goes in like cycles right because playing it that high of a level and playing that much it like it just completely like like runs you out of gas yeah anytime you get into 
like I thankfully I've never gotten into arena, but anytime you get into like anything resembling a ladder or like a full on grind, like uh, the trophy race was, it's just, it's just exhausting at a certain point. And once you once you're more or less pot committed to going for whatever you've got your eyes set on or whatever goal you have, and you just keep going past the point where it stopped being fun <laughs> or, or stopped even being yeah, it, it turns into something that's, you know, we're playing Legacy. Legacy is supposed to be, you know, more or less a casual format. And, you know, it's something you're supposed to enjoy. And when you stop enjoying it, then you're going to run into serious problems. Yeah, for sure. That's that's super interesting, man. That's kind of what I assumed, but I wasn't really sure, you know, like what you had going on or whatever. Or whether maybe you just had 100% win percentage and you really weren't putting that much into the trophy <laughs> race at all. I don't know. I did have a pretty good win percentage, but you can't win that. There are so many good players that play an insane amount of magic uh, that, yeah, you you just, you can't coast into that sort of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I definitely feel you, man. You had some ridiculous numbers for for really a long time. I mean, what, what, how many years were you consistently like on the top 20 of the leaderboard? Um, I guess mostly just the last two years. Um, really? I was going to say I, three at least, but maybe I'm losing track of time. I am getting old. It's <laughs> one of those <laughs> things where, yeah, you you don't realize what it is. Um, but I think I had a much, uh, I think part of it is you can't really go for the trophy race, or at least in the old days, like going back three years or so, you couldn't really go for the trophy lead playing a slow deck. It just wasn't possible right. um, because you had, you had players that were like borderline playing like full-time job hours on moto like you know or back in the day eric Lane and with like black like red, red reanimator yeah. with blisteringly fast decks and playing an insane amount like exactly. online a ton so back then i was running um i was still running depths but it was my bug depths list with like mox diamonds and brainstorms and that was a significantly slower version uh, probably closer to the slow depths lists of today than um, then the turbo lists and mm. I was, I was playing a fraction of what the top players were playing. So I never really got serious. Like as long as I was, as long as I finished with like a reasonable number, I was happy with that. And I preferred to focus on the, the bigger events. So I was much more worried about like where I finished in the playoff events at the time online and that sort of stuff. than than league finishes leagues were kind of just more for fun and to practice more or less. Yeah, for sure. That makes a um, lot of sense. So, yeah, so if you weren't playing a really fast deck, it, it just wasn't worth your time because you didn't have a chance. Like, you know, with Eric in the 40s or whatever for every season, it's just, you can't do that. Like, even now, they just finished a season that I more or less skipped um, and Pokemoki won playing a slower, playing mostly slower decks like his Pokepile stuff. Yeah. Um, which which is a lot different than it used to be. But how like, many he, did he have? Because last time I was on there, it was like eight. <laughs> It was like a, I think he ended up finishing with like I haven't I've only seen it like on streams like I haven't actually been on the city but I think it was like around thirty roughly. Oh wow, yeah, that must have really um, heated up at some point because. Yeah, um, I think the the second place was like maybe like really low twenties. So it's it's just I think a lot of the players that were playing a lot that were playing the faster decks have either moved on to other hobbies or are just playing significantly less. 
um, or just don't see the uh, allure of the or the play arena honestly I, because I wonder like you have to be no offense and I don't think that this is you obviously you already said you don't play arena but I think that you know to be participating in the trophy race you have to have that sort of competitive uh, bone in your body right that sort of uh, the quest oriented I don't know whatever Tom uh, Smiley could probably speak to this with his with his rating. But uh, whatever, the, whatever it is, right fourteen grind. Actually, when yeah. Tom was talking earlier about how like you set yourself to a goal and you just know that that goal is like too life-consuming and unhealthy to actually do, but you do it anyway. That's that's that. That's World of Warcraft. <laughs> anyway, yes, I, I understand. I bet a lot of those people that were like you know hardcore grinder trophy grinders probably, if they're not currently playing arena, at least had their dip their toes in the water into that ladder right well there's more incentives for that ladder than there is exactly like on on magic online now so i guess that kind of makes sense i had to fight it today actually because strixhaven just came out Mm -hmm. and i was like man i'm pretty sure that i could crack like the top 1000 mythic with you know within like i don't know how much time it takes but whatever is a reasonable amount of time if i just downloaded arena today but i didn't do it so. I almost did it because my friends told me that they had a, cu- a version of the cube on there. And I was like, oh, they have cube? Should it? Should I do it? And I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Mostly because I still have like an iPhone 5. And I, I, I can't put it. I can't see the cards on the screen. So it wouldn't make a difference anyway. But an I almost iPhone put it on my phone. 5. Listen, listen. It still works. It still works. I can take a picture of it and put it on Twitter. Actually, no, I can't take a picture of it because it's my phone. I can use the mirror, but it's a five, and uh, I'm okay with it. Bro, I got you a ton of views on Twitter today. Did you? By what the happened? Uh, let me go look at it. I made a meme for Lawrence, and he tried to tag me in it, and I he realized I don't have a Twitter account anymore. Oh. So I was okay. like, I was like, just tag Dead Format Cast. So he did. Oh yeah, we got seven likes. We're coming up in the world. This is our. <laughs> This is our tweet. There we go. <laughs> yeah, bro. So that that's super interesting, man. So why haven't you, uh, not to get off track, but why haven't you installed Arena, Tom? Uh, because I think it probably is fairly addicting. Um, also, the formats it supports, I don't really play that much. Like, I dabble on Moto. I think I played uh, the Snow Set. Is that Call Time? I forget what yeah. the name of the set even was. I think I did maybe five drafts. Um but other than that, I don't really play the formats. I'm not really into standard um, or anything else that Arena supports. So it just seems like another time sink for something I'm not really super interested in. For sure. I, I can definitely relate to that. I, I do like, you know, current set limited. I actually took a break for call time. But before that, there's, you know, no set I hadn't drafted 75 times. And I think that i could definitely get addicted to arena it seems like you know you get those quick hits like it's sort of uh made to extract dopamine better than <laughs> moto certainly like moto is whatever the opposite of dopamine is like uh kill yourself amine or whatever that's like that's what's pumping out a moto right like when i open it up and have to install the most recent updates and wait for my collection to load so I, I don't really uh, I don't ever want to become an arena head. 
Yeah, not on my radar, but that's that's yeah. awesome, man. So, what is on your radar? What are you doing with your time now? Uh, basically, I, I was always, I always had a lot of interests. Um, I was very, very into sports for a long time. Played ice hockey until a few years ago. Oh, um, nice. Uh, that the hair, really... the hair makes a lot of sense now. You have like perfect hockey hair. <laughs> Something's got to go out the back of the helmet, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, always into guitar. Um, loved playing music. Uh, recently, I've been um, dabbling in chess as well. Oh, sweet! What's your uh, rating? Look at that. Uh, I actually just started playing uh, as far as competitive oh, games right. in the last month or so. So that's not really accurate. Yeah, I was more, I won't, I won't. I was more doing. Uh, I was more jamming puzzles just to keep my mind fresh. Oh, so dude, I, I like, do that, yeah. Yeah, I think I was like 2,400 in puzzles. Um, but, yeah, I have some work to do as far as, like, game theory and openings and stuff like that before I'm going to get a real rating and, and uh, yeah, it takes and a, actual games. Takes quite a and lot. I'm not playing at, like, I don't have the time to sit down and I don't want to take, like, a week to play, like, a classical game online. Plus, I don't trust people to not use engines. Um, so <laughs> I've been... Uh, the games I've been playing have been the, the faster games, like the ten minute games. Oh, is yeah. that a um, thing? The engines? I would assume so. Yeah. When I went back on, I played chess maybe 12, 13 years ago for a little while uh-huh. competitively, and I had the just suspicion that just the way my opponents were absolutely manhandling me um, at high ratings that they weren't just good, but some shady stuff was going on. And when I finally reopened my account a month or two ago. Uh, it was five of the last seven opponents I had played had their accounts banned for fair play. Oh, wow. So I think it was pretty rampant for a while, but I think they pretty much cracked down on it to an extent now. Do you play on Lee Chess or Chess.com? Uh, just Chess.com. Okay. Yeah, dude, how can you really crack down, though? Because, like, let's say that I had three laptops and I started my match with you and then also started a match with... Uh, in my you know second account started to match with my third account and just mirrored your moves there and mirrored my moves on the second account i think they pretty much have advanced algorithms at this point because oh. yeah, they... literally after every game you can analyze your entire game through their engine they, they probably so... have access to like the commonly used engines people are using and if the move patterns of some certain player like match an engine move for move for like 30 turns then they, they probably know something's up Right. Yeah, it also straight up it straight up gives you like an accuracy rating after any game you analyze too. So, you know, if, if every game you're getting like ninety eight point nine percent accuracy on your moves, it's not gonna take long to uh to get caught. Damn. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. It's so funny, man, like the intricacies of these these worlds that you don't really interact with normally, but that that's that's kind of a black pill man i i because i always wanted to start playing chess online but knowing that that's out there and waiting for you is it's pretty pretty shitty well i mean like i think if you're playing at the lower levels or like mid levels where most people start or end up in you're seeing way less people like use engines i i think that that's probably more problem for the people who are like pushing to the 2000s or in the 2000s and the people that are like at 1400 1500 so basically you're saying for the first week I don't have to worry about it? Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, bro. So, no, that's cool, man. I uh, I respect the, the hockey and guitar. Like, what kind of music are you into? 
a little bit of everything, but basically, I guess the shorthand is anything with a guitar in it I'm into, generally speaking. Yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I have finally started playing guitar again after, like, almost two years of barely playing at all. But that's what boredom will do to you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It works like that. I think I went four to five years um, without playing at all. And after having, you know, been in a band for a few years and, like, played constantly, and then it just disappears for a little while. It's almost like magic for me. <laughs> it's like sometimes you go through these phases where you're really into something and then you just need a break. Do you found, yeah. Have you found that you've, like, cycled through it? So, like, as magic is fading, you, you start to play guitar a little bit more? Are they, like separate cycles uh they seem to be separate cycles so i try to keep things generally mixed um, but i failed at that i think i played a little bit too much magic two years ago and then i took a break last year for a few months and then i played a little bit too much magic the second half of last year and yeah now cycling through that break again but it didn't necessarily match the the windows of guitar i got you yeah if you had a uh, roommate who played magic and uh, guitar, I wonder if your cycles would start to uh, match up after a while. Yeah, I mean, I would assume it would be like trying to like break a habit of any kind of thing that has an addictive quality to it, like trying to stop smoking when your significant other that you or roommate that you live with is smoking. Like, good luck. Yeah, like sure. If someone around you is doing something that you just are prone to fall for, <laughs> like good luck getting away from it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's cool, man. I thought it was a great time to have you on because I was telling you this story, and I apologize, Tom Smiley, if I told this story already. But uh, in one of our group chats, James uh, James was asking if anybody had any legacy tech. And I was like, dude, does this kid want me to send pictures of my fucking palm pilot or something like what is what the hell does legacy tech mean and then like after you know five minutes or something it clicked that he was talking about you know legacy cards and the for the new metagame or whatever and that's that's kind of how i feel about the game right now and i actually had a long talk with dave firth bard who was previous guest on the show but you know one of the pillars of the northeastern uh or really north american old school magic community just about burnout in general right because we have this podcast now and previously i'd taken like i took the entire theros block off of magic like i just didn't play that year and what we have this podcast going is sort of like okay maybe my body's trying to take a break but this keeps pulling me back into it so i'm not actually like getting that healthy reset that i need right and i'm just gonna end up burning out on the game really hard so I've been doing a lot of thinking about it this week. So I think it's actually a great time to have you on with what you're going through. Nice. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I think right now in particular is that pieces of the game are missing. So I know a lot of people just don't like Magic Online or don't like online play in general um, or have issues with uh, like Discord type paper magic where, you know, like 90s MTG or... Yeah. Um, playing in leagues with friends that sort of stuff um, for various reasons you know cheating concerns and that sort of stuff but like the biggest thing for me is like it was all a piece of the puzzle so like i loved magic online because where are you going to get that kind of practice against that kind of competition on demand 
like it's just it's amazing like that like it's functionally the game so if you take the social aspect of it out of it it's getting you what you want to practice but at the end of the day like i don't have the desire to try and make the pro tour or do anything like that so if that doesn't appeal to you you kind of need the social aspect of it and as much as talking to people in chat or doing a discord or hangouts call is fun like not having paper events is just brutal and it feels like that that's the missing piece that ties it together dude it really is it really just not having it for the length of time that we haven't had it is really yeah it makes it difficult because then then all you're down to is what does the online play mean to you and if you don't want to qualify for the pro tour because you have no interest in playing standard or is there a format. pro tour there's a version of it i don't know what they that's another piece of it i don't even know what organized play is anymore all i see on twitter is people complaining about it so <laughs> i'm assuming it's not good um but i have no interest whatever whatever they call it now or however it's structured i know it's all like you know newer formats whether that's modern standard pioneer whatever formats they're playing now are formats that i don't own cards for or don't play so there's no desire to go through that sort of thing um and as far as like the legacy specific stuff like i really enjoyed the playoff style events which i guess they renamed showcase and showcase qualifier in a way that makes no sense too um, Dude, it's like opposite world. It's yes, like... it's it's very opposite of what you would think if you weren't familiar with it. Yeah. yeah. So they did that, um, but then they made changes to that too, which really, really personally impacted me and pissed me off. So I've skipped the last couple of those events too. Um, not to complain too much, but the first year they had them, I qualified twice. Yep. And they allowed the invites to pass down. Uh, the second year, I finished ninth twice. In both events, somebody made the top eight that had already qualified, and they did not pass down in the second Dude, year. whoa, wait, what the fuck? Are you like a saint or something? Because I never heard this story. And oh, I, I feel like if this was fucking, on social media. If this was like <laughs> Brian Cook, I would have heard about this every day for the past two years if that, that, that happens. No, I, I said something on Twitter about it when it happened, and I've talked to my friends about it, but and i you like emailed them about it as far as uh yeah you know can you do something about this and the first time they told me it was a corner case scenario and then it happened again (laughs) like immediately after that and i was like come on and they're like well no this is locked in this is what we're gonna do and more or less what they said was that they just didn't feel like it was worth tracking Wow. They have to like go out of their way to do it, and since it's not going to impact very many people, and it's a corner case thing, they didn't think it was worth it, and that kind of bothered me. And it, buried in there was that they wanted people to continue to be able to play and use their QPs after they qualified, which makes perfect sense. But then have the invites passed down. Um, yeah, that that kind of bothered me. That dude, that would be like the the fucking I don't know. The, the thing you read about in like you know the the ted kaczynski autobiography or something like that that would drive most people insane that that happened bro that you got you know you passed one down and then you didn't get the pass down that's just like yeah twice how you even <laughs> how you even played after that is beyond me i did after the first one but after the second one i was kind of like you know what like this is supposed to be again like would it be nice to qualify for the um 
the mocks sure but even if you do qualify for like i played in the championship event the first year um and it was 32 players 30 32 players or something like that and it's just 32 amazing players at that point like everyone's top aided a 200 ish person event or more that was already that you already had had to hit a certain amount of qualifier points to even get into so it was like a barrier to a barrier to get into an event with everyone that cleared everything and top aided events of all killers so you know even if you get to that point it's like what are your realistic odds of getting through there and then even if you do it's playing in the mocks which is again formats that i have no interest in so at a certain point i just said hey what am i doing like yeah like i'm getting all riled up and upset over something that doesn't really have a payoff that i'm super interested in at the end of the day so this time i had a pile of qps from the trophy run that just expired last week and i just didn't even use them like it was basically like could have free rolled the ptq and the showcase um and another event and just let them go damn yeah man that's uh that's brutal but i i completely understand where you're coming from there so how much do you feel like uh so you you mentioned i kind of asked this question already and you said you had a lot of other interests but do you feel like something's missing like um you know that sort of competitive outlet because like the other things that you mentioned like playing guitar and uh you know not playing sports anymore or whatever like do you do you have that sort of feeling like you know you should be competing in something or i'm kind of using chess for that a little bit um but I'm constantly trying to like fight back that urge because like from a very young age I was hyper competitive mm-hmm. and just did everything like I was it was mostly sports when I was younger um, but also my my grandfather used to work at the track like coming oh, back to yeah. when that stuff was or was a serious thing and like my father used to take me to his house and we used to play cards and yeah, I bet I met were. your grandfather over the years. That's Wait, are, are you from upstate New York, or is that like a misconception? Nah, I'm from Pennsylvania. You, oh, you're Pennsylvania? My okay. grandfather is New Jersey, so it's a little closer to you. But Huh? Yeah. Interesting. So who knows? But yeah, they were killers with cards, so I learned poker and various other card strategies at a very young age and was really into that. I was really into poker for a little while, um, but that is a... That is an even unhealthier <laughs> outlet than several others. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, addictive behavior and yeah, not that I ever had a a problem. Like I wasn't like losing money or anything like that. But you know, it's that's a that's a constant specter hanging over things and just an unhealthy lifestyle in general, in my opinion. Yeah, dude, I learned that lesson at like age twenty two at Foxwoods. Uh, because I was just trying to like play poker as like a full time job, and like I can't have a gambling problem because I won't lose. You know what I mean? Like I, I won't bet enough that I, I'm putting myself at real risk at any point in time. So I just sort of grind it out, and you're just living such an unhealthy lifestyle. Like you're sitting in this recycled air casino with you know smoking sections and all sorts of people that are down on their luck or 
you know, just on, on benders or whatever and just exposing yourself to that on a daily basis. Like you start to realize like everybody sort of like has a cold or whatever and touching these cards and it's just no way to live, right? Like uh, like long term, you have to like sort of make this decision for yourself, right? Yeah, I think it really depends. I think depending on your relationship with the game, it can be fine. Like if you're not doing it, I mean, if you're doing it for a living and you can you can handle the swings and you're smart enough with your money, um, to never have, you know, more than X percentage of your your bankroll at risk, and you don't mind some of those other things you're talking about, then and you're good enough to make money off of it, then hey, by all means, if if it, for, if it works for you, and from a more casual perspective, if you have a healthy relationship with the game, I see nothing wrong with it. I think it's great, but for me personally, when I get into competitive mindsets, I'm in like and i'm really in and that's just not something for me personally that i think would be a good idea yeah i feel you so where are you at in pennsylvania i'm uh, just outside philly i grew up in philly but um moved to the suburbs um after about a year after i started working because for whatever reason the uh, suburbs basically charge you next to nothing for a local locality tax and the city of philadelphia charges four percent so yeah (laughs) so is that just like an extra four percent sales tax on top of everything oh it's a wage tax oh jesus yeah the the sales tax is still there too it's the wage tax is just straight four percent yep on top of this on top of the state so so wait does that bring your your state over 10 or is the state in in no no pennsylvania is uh pennsylvania is very uh it's a very interesting state like you have the cities on the corners which are hyper liberal and um you know in the case of philly i'm not sure what pittsburgh is but Philly's kind of you know hyper taxing and then in the middle you kind of have like the equivalent of like kentucky or alabama where yeah. there's very very red policies and you know like lowest taxes possible that kind of stuff so this the, the state is like three percent roughly oh damn so that's why you can get away with that that's because yeah. that's probably the highest city tax in the nation but that's only because when new york and san francisco and los angeles try to raise their taxes and it goes over the the like uh constitutional state restrictions they always get pushback right so yeah. that that's probably why philly's so crazy yeah and it's a flat tax too which you know, <laughs> that's yeah, that that's disgusting. Yeah, bro, I've I've driven through. I'd probably never been in Pennsylvania for more than one night. I would say I'd stayed a couple times in Philadelphia for a night, but now I'm living in Ohio now, so I've been through Pennsylvania a few times recently. And it's an interesting place, man. It's fucking huge. Yeah, there is a lot of area. <laughs> I had no idea Pittsburgh was in Pennsylvania until like a few months ago. I figured yeah. it was in Ohio. The only time I've been near Pittsburgh is to drive by it on the way to Ohio. I've stopped. I've stopped in it for magic events. There you go. Yeah, I've never been to an event in Pittsburgh. Mm. Interesting, man. So yeah. So when you left off, obviously you were playing in the old pre-band metagame, right? like uh astrolabe and everything yeah i think i played three three yeah i guess three leagues since january um and then 
four matches like for streaming related things with people like 90s mtg and like honor Ox octagon so yeah i'm sub yeah. 20 matches since january so are you like a mental magic player like do you sort of uh think about the the constraints of the format now and like put together lists in your head like uh or are you sort of checked out from it right now no i've been looking at uh periodically i'll look at like the joe dyer um, yeah. links on twitter as far as like how each deck's doing and the the showcase and the ptq like i i kind of I, I tend to be the type of person who ignores challenge data i think challenge data is not great um mm. it's just a it's a small subset of very similar players that are playing on a week-to-week basis like half the field's the same week-to-week and the saturday ones are like 75 players sometimes ish yeah. like that's kind of like i've played in 1k locals that are bigger than that so like i understand that like a lot of the players that are in them are good but i don't know like i think sometimes those events get inbred and i don't True. take a lot from it but when you have like 200 plus player showcase events and stuff like that then yeah i'll look at that data and see how everything's going like i know what my my rough starting point would with depths would be um how do you feel overall though about the metagame now like in general when you look at the the format do you feel like this is a a more enjoyable place i mean it seems to be pretty much consensus that we're in a good spot but yeah i mean it depends on what you're looking for i guess i know some people like um established metagames so they have targets to go after Mm -hmm. and this looks kind of wild to me like i was just looking at the showcase um from last weekend and it was 50 plus decks (laughs) like different archetypes (laughs) in the event and you know that's not everyone's cup of tea like when the format's that wide it's really hard for certain style of decks to like tune their hate cards or tune their sideboards um you end up in to some degree some aspects with matchup lottery stuff um, for certain decks and i don't know that that's the most enjoyable thing but you know it's hard for me to say having like really no no reps at all but um, i'm guessing the vast majority of the people um in legacy who basically feel like their decks were like soft banned when oko and uh <laughs> dreadhorde nastrally were around that they can now safely play like if those broken cards were pushing your like 45 to 50 percent win rate deck down to like 35 to 40 percent just throwing random numbers out there mm. and now it's back to being a 45 to 50 percent deck because the meta is so wide and you can now play things like hypnotorak again and you can play all these cards and decks that basically more or less disappeared everybody that plays those decks or owns those cards and papers is going to be happy um yeah for a little just while to... until the format like condenses on itself again and people figure out what the new like dreadhorde oko decks are yeah i was on leaving a legacy like a month or two ago and said said the same thing <laughs> i agreed with you and i was like give it a couple of weeks <laughs> it's going it's it's gonna uh, it's gonna be small and i think there were like 40 something events in the in the, the event that they went over on that cast and yeah the one i just looked at was like 50 so <laughs> so who knows it may stay wide just by legacy's always had that vibe about it or yeah as long as people want to play the the wide swath of decks they're going to because part of it's like a cards you own thing the cards are so expensive the decks are so expensive and you know part of it's just what people enjoy and the fact that they had to put they, they were more or less forced to put a lot of those decks in so obvious that they were unplayable like as long as it's less obvious 
<laughs> even if they're still at a slight disadvantage, people are still going to play what they want to play. So yeah, have you ever heard that thing longer. that like the most addictive games are the ones with like a forty percent win rate or forty five percent win rate? Uh, no, and I guess it does make sense. There's probably just a, a threshold where people can accept being slight underdogs or not even realize they are. Like, right? You know, do the mental gymnastics to, you know, you know how it is. I know. Uh, I was talking to Brian Cook a couple of times about this, and I know he tweeted about it recently. Like more or less that people kind of fudge numbers when they track or when they post things <laughs> it's like oh well i would have won this game if this didn't happen yeah. or i misclicked here so this should have been a win but like not tracking that it doesn't happen on the like when it happens on the other side right. and like people can easily get to a spot where they think their deck's winning more than it really is or they tweet percentage. about their 80 percent win rate with their sample size of 10 and they're like uh-huh. oh 80 percent win rate and like don't mention that it's just in their 10 matches they played today exactly yeah. so you can really really uh play games and you know there's there's the kind of stuff that like when major events are going on like people that get knocked out early and want to keep playing like a handful of them will like jump into leagues and the leagues are like just way lower quality than they would be at any other time because most of the really good players are playing in whatever the premiere event is oh, and then you'll point. you know you'll go on a run and then you know post about the the 5-0 or the the 10-0 <laughs> run that somebody went on you know against the rest so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of easy uh, ways to trick yourself or trick others that yeah for sure know, things are a situation slightly better than you think it is yeah where it is right now and i do i am sympathetic to that argument that you know the the matchup lottery is not fun and it does kind of seem like we're in a spot where, you know, if you want to play a, a deck in the middle, like a fair deck, like a mid-range deck or even a big tempo deck that's relatively in the middle of, of decks when you think about how it's positioned and you, you start to make your sideboard too broad, then you just get slammed by these hyper-linear strategies that you can't devote the space to, right? Because they, they don't represent that portion of the metagame. And that's not fun. But when I'm looking at the decks that are doing well, I'm not seeing, other than like, it seems like Red Prison is really sort of resurgent again. And like a, a very a very sort of uh, devoted, the, the version I always preferred actually, which is like the 8 to 10 Rabble Master version. That seems to be getting a lot of burn right now, and that always sucks. Yeah, those aren't my style of decks. I don't particularly like the the gameplay dynamic they have of just jam 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 i know i know a lot of people will say there is a lot of uh i'm not going to get into like a skill argument and say that it takes no skill to play that deck um because obviously there's mulligan decisions and how to what to sequence first land drops specific ways to sequence your stuff like obviously there's play to the deck but just a lot of the ways that those decks play out just i don't find interesting and part of that might just be with the, the style of decks i run like to me having a matchup revolve around you know whether they're going to play one of their seven or eight blood moons on turn one on the play or whether i'm going to wreck them on the play and then post board whether or not my force of vigors hit their blood moon or whether or not they happen to have a turn one magus like that's just not interesting gameplay right like i've always been slightly positive against those decks even though i think it's kind of like really rough it's pretty rough i mean they just a lot of the players will rely on Blood Moon, and that's just not somewhere you want to be with Force of Vigor in the format. Right. <laughs> like, 
any lands or depths player that comes prepared with two to three copies of that under the London Mulligan. Like, I don't think people realize the how that that change impacted Dude, Mulligan it's, percentages. Yeah. It's insane. Like, to, to search for two of, and if you're willing to mull to five, is like over fifty percent to hit roughly. I think if you do the math, like it's it's insane how easy it is. Um, when you're getting seven looks per mulligan to to find what you need. That sounds the, about right, actually. I never down. thought about that, like a two of over over. Yeah, I think it's sevens. like if you're willing to go down to like four or three, like it gets into the like 71% range. Alex McKinley from the Epic Storm sent it to me a while back because he did it for Mind Break Trap. They were trying to figure out like the odds as far as uh, yeah. <laughs> how often they needed to worry about that, um, which turns out to be a lot, and it comes up a lot for them because... Um, the DNT matchup in particular, and I don't know the reasoning why they've been doing it, but a lot of the DMT players have been sideboarding two copies of Mind Break Trap for a while now. Huh. So just an extra uh, layer of protection, and they probably have a lot of flexibility with sideboard space. Yeah, I think that's the thing is they had to dedicate a lot more space to fair stuff, and now that a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the Hoko uh, <laughs> stuff is uh, out of the format, maybe uh, that opened up their sideboard a little bit. Yeah, interesting. And We're not I big guess fans Skyclade. of Alex here, by the way. So if you could not mention him again, that'd be great. Really, really. <laughs> no, I mean, why did you? Why did you have him on twice? Like <laughs> wow, <that? laughs> dude, this guy does his homework. <laughs> Respect. No, Alex is great. We love Alex. So I bought. Yeah. I don't know if any of you guys have seen what's been going on with the uh, with the box breaks with collectibles. Have either of you guys heard about any of that stuff? Is that like Logan Paul? Uh, okay, well, kind of. But Channel Fireball's doing it, and they had spots for three Legends packs that they're opening. So I have I have one spot in the three Legends boosters that they're opening up live on stream right now. So wow. wait, is that like one card or I get one, one pack? I get one random card out of the three packs that they just opened, and they're opening and cataloging them before they randomize those, the lists. And one of the people, one of the 45 or however many people signed up for it get a... Uh, get a mana drain that they had signed that they're giving away as like a door prize so i'm oh wow yep basically so when when are the cards revealed they're right now it's live on stream so i guess they're doing it to like sell other products because as this is happening they have ads for all of their other box breaking stuff but uh but i wanted to let you guys know in case i just like zoned out for a little bit because like i'm patiently waiting for them to flip every card right now and so you far, sure this isn't like a dream sequence, like a, a lucid might, dream you're having? I might be asleep, and this cast might be over already. Um, <laughs> but if I like, if I scream or giggle, I'll jump up and down, and there's a tabernacle that got opened or whatever. So you'll have another tabernacle that you need to be no, listing on eBay. That sits in your closet. That'd be yeah. awesome. Yep. Yeah. Dude, that be life changing. <laughs> send it out to get great. Is that what you said? Yeah, send it out to get graded. You'll, Bro, get, it do you know... like, you'll get it back in like two years. It'll be worth yeah. double what so, it is today. I heard some crazy you know stuff everything. about uh, Beckett's grading. Yeah. I guess if you send stuff back to get like the slab fixed, they'll completely regrade it on you. And if they like missed a fake card or like a like a condition error before, when you get it back, if it was a fake card, they just won't have it slabbed anymore, and they'll be like, "Sorry, we realized your card was fake." Or if uh, if the condition of the card wasn't the same as they originally graded it, they just automatically change the grade. Wow, I, that wow. probably doesn't affect anybody who's listening to the cast right now, but I heard people complain no, about Beckett doing that. 
Well, the bigger news that I think Tom might have been alluding to and, and what I was saying was that I'm pretty sure they shut down new orders. Yeah, that's what I heard. Because their oh. wait time, their anticipated wait time was like if you didn't have like the premium, you know, $100 rush fee or whatever, was like getting to be well over a year in almost two years. That's insane. Which, which is insane, right? And apparently PSA is also about to pull the plug. I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like, it's 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 to the point where the percentage increases in some of these cards is so ridiculous that everyone just wants to get it on even more money. Yeah, dude. I was watching, uh, who sent it? James this morning sent us that link to, like, the Burt Kreischer podcast where they're looking at graded lightning bolts and shit. I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, that's the weird thing. Like, I've I've heard people say that people were sending in like jeweled lotuses and stuff. Like, why would you send any card from like the last two to three years at the very least for grading? Like, who's buying graded commander cards from the last you know twelve months? Like, that strikes me as insane. Somebody's building a deck like a graded commander deck. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck shuffling that. Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's wild. It, It it's always like um you feel like you were just about to do it or whatever i've had these cards like this little pile of cards that i wanted to send to beckett for the longest time and now it's just like not a possibility so i don't know man i i'm glad i never got into that world i guess yeah i've owned one graded card ever that i got from star city years and years ago because they had some sort of like 30 or 40 percent off sale and i wanted a black bordered uh, gauntlet of might for my mono red edh deck oh dude and i literally took like the the, the cutters and cracked it the second it came in <laughs> so i could put Do you it still in my have deck. it uh the card's still in my deck yeah bro is it alpha or beta uh it's beta oh man it's gotta be it's gotta be up there uh, who knows? I've I played that deck a lot, so it was it was shuffled quite a bit. <laughs> oh, okay, I may have I may have given it a little love. <laughs> yeah, dude. It, like a lot of these cards, I mean, I don't know how believable the values are exactly, but like some sometimes I'll be just looking up cards. Like Lake of the Dead's like a two hundred dollar card now. Yeah, that's insane. I believe I sold mine to Card Kingdom like five years ago for like two dollars and fifty cents a card. Oof. Like I'm never using this thing. <laughs> I had sentimental attachment to that one, so I kept four of them, thankfully. But there's hundreds of other cards I did not keep, so I. Uh, it's just so weird. Like I, it feels like we're in like a uh, a do over from like 2018, right? Like when 2018 came and went, and we're like, oh, we didn't get out, but whatever, we like the cards. It's like it's it's just happening again, right? Like this is all just happening again. But I was so wrong about what the market was going to do a year ago that I don't have any confidence in myself anymore to, to say like, okay, this is just some bubble and, you know, I want to own these cards anyway, so I'll just hold on to them. But I, I honestly don't know, man. Maybe maybe they're just going to keep going up. Who, the, who knows? Really? Yeah, I don't think you can go too wrong um, unless the game somehow goes under. I don't see any reason to think that that's going to be the case. Um, unless, well, do you think in a post-apocalyptic spend... world they'll still have value? A serious <laughs> question, by the way. Uh, I think about this a lot. I don't believe so. They, but like you have to entertain yourself in a post-apocalyptic world, right? Yeah, I suppose so. But what would the you you would have to set the ground rules and tell me exactly what the uh, going currency would be under such a scenario? Like, how would you pay for magic cards? I just assume it's bullets and animals, right? 
so you're gonna trade a weapon and uh and some ammunition for for a tabernacle is what you're telling me it does it does seem a little far-fetched when you put it that way i'm just i'm just saying that maybe the person with the with the weapon and the ammunition that you would like to trade for is just going to take your tabernacle via other means. What if, <laughs> what if you could convince people that there was like, you know, still like civilized life on another continent, like let's say Australia be like, dude, they're still having legacy tournaments in Perth. Like this is worth like two grand. Like they're still using money over there, whatever dollars they use. And, like, dude, if you can get, find a way to get to Perth, like, you're going to be rich with these. You somehow, might have an I, angle. somehow, I think in a post-apocalyptic world, legacy tournaments aren't going to be happening. That's, that would be my <laughs> guess. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't know, man. I do have, like, a few uh, dual decks and a fire fireproof safe, though, just in case. And that's not a joke. I actually do have the original uh, dual decks, which are the Anthologies 1999 dual decks, and two alpha 40 decks in a fireproof safe right now so they're just in boxes they're not sleeved right uh one of them is sleeved one of them's not i don't know if this is true or not but i've heard that if depending on the safe um the heat will melt the sleeves onto the cards bro that is yeah you're you're supposed to keep them unsleeved when i had my power uh that was recommended to me as well i didn't do it but I have a fireproof safe and I have my power in it. And uh, they were like, listen, your cards are going to be fine, but the plastic's going to melt around them. So you actually want them unsleeved. That's actually like amazing because I've always thought like, I wish I could just mold this plastic to the card. Just <laughs> and that, yeah, basically laminate it. And then I could just go play in the mud, play in the water. You know, it wouldn't matter because they're laminated cars. Yeah, I don't think they would turn out laminated. Just, <laughs> just a guess. <laughs> Certainly not uniform, right? They would, they would sort like of be one slicer blob. trying to get yeah. your cards apart. Like, what's the thickness? So it would be like you would try and sell them off like they were like it was crimped, like they're explosive. <laughs> This charred, this charred mox ruby. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I don't know, man. Like, it, it, it does seem like uh, the the values of cards right now is, is so astronomical that they couldn't possibly go up. But who knows what the value of a dollar is, right? It's... Yeah, it's really, it's really tough to say. Because, like, my initial instinct would be to say that they'll retrace a little bit. Because right now it's just... A never-ending for a lot of people it's you know people that don't really need the money are still getting stimulus checks or just got another round of stimulus checks so obviously that sort of stuff like i've heard from many people that like oh i turned around and got an underground sea with my with my stimulus check like that kind of stuff that kind of yeah. demand is just not permanent and like as the world starts to reopen with the vaccines kicking in like full force people are going to have other things to spend on so like the infinite discretionary income for a lot of people yeah you know, not i mean like obviously a lot of people are having issues during the pandemic and can't do this but there's a there's a decent percentage of people that are playing magic that are already well off that just especially have a lot more yeah, discretionary in income so yeah so with that going back to normal with people having like concerts and sporting events and a million other bars a million other things they can go spend their money on again I think the demand will go down a little bit, but at the same time, the printing press has been going burr in this yeah. country for 
a long enough period of time where you wonder if like the increase in the prices is just going to be inflation eventually dude like, we're lagging so hard like any any sort of metric you could look at like the inflation just isn't there and it just feels like it's about to just you know rubber band up to where it should be which is like 30 percent below where it is so yep so you look, and you look at the, the valuations and stock market and stuff and you just you just shrug and you're like this is so disconnected from reality in a lot of cases that mm-hmm. like even if you're educated i wouldn't like in on the, on the topic like it feels like you're throwing darts like right. <laughs> as, as to guess. So I wouldn't even want to, uh, you need the money and sell your stuff and play the, uh, it can't get any higher game. And if you don't, yeah, you don't need, if you don't need to risk it, keep them. Yeah, definitely. I saw one of the scariest surveys actually, uh, this week, last week and last it, week, probably home sales and demand. No, but that's scary too. But the housing uh, market is insane. Yes, that that is terrifying. <laughs> but it was actually the percentage of people who felt that they enjoyed life during lockdown more than the previous year or previous years. What do you guys think the percentage was? This was uh I think it was 3,000 respondents. What was this was there any age pool or it was just random? No, it was uh, random people in the UK. Oh, in the UK. Oh, that's different. Uh, I would say 30% preferred lockdown more. Yeah, if it's higher than that. Then, 59%. Uh, wow. How scary how, is that? I wonder how much of that is associated with work. Like, because like as much as I would prefer non-lockdown the uh the aspect of being able to work from home is amazing you're so, a fan uh, compared to going into the, to an office with a thousand people uh yes oh, yeah, <laughs> I, pre- yeah. I prefer to uh be at home and then occasionally go in when you have to style a thing but i don't know what that's like in the uk but i'm guessing that would probably be where a lot of it's coming from yeah that could be I think, uh, I, and I'm I'm sort of guilty of this too. Like, I I'm not really aware of what the Ohio laws are around, like you know, what establishments are open or closed, or what you can and can't do. Like, I just sort of have my routine that I just go about my day. And I was at a doctor's appointment a little while ago, and I was talking to the nurse about uh, my trip to Arizona and how like all the bars were open and everything. And she's like, well, the bars are open here too. It's just, nobody's going to them. And I was like, Oh shit. I didn't even know they were open. You know, like we, we sort of get stuck in this routine and like, you just sort of keep doing what you've been doing. Like there's inertia and to a, to a degree, I think like our patterns have been broken. Like our old inertia has been upset and we might have just discovered that we don't, travel as much right like people are saying like the demand for gasoline is down this much i know like the number of cars per household is down like 0.2 which is insane uh the home price is obviously it's is insane right now so it's like anybody's guess where the chips land is that swig of jameson right there oh yeah Dude, <laughs> i'm fucking wrecked <laughs> I heard about all the drugs you guys were on, and I was just jealous. So, <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, my drugs are uh, due to a reaction to a procedure more so than recreational. 
Oh man, what uh, yeah, what what's going on? Do you do you want to? Uh, is this private or is this? Uh... Oh no, no, I had to uh, have a really exciting root canal, and uh, my face blew up in four different places. So, oh shit! So yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> Damn, dude. Yo, my four-year-old sister got spiral fractures in her tibia and fibia on Tuesday. Oh, jeez, what happened? She can't. She can't move for six weeks. She was at fucking learn to skate, bro. Hockey. She uh, she tried to hockey stop uh. up against the corner, and she didn't stop. But she went into the boards at like a forty-five degree angle. My dad mm-hmm. was saying, and she apparently apparently she cries a lot. So. For 20 minutes, nobody went over to her because they're used to her being on the ground crying. But uh, finally, after 20 minutes, they realized that she really fucked up her legs. Sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, dude. Like, imagine, and she's like a wild, she's like just a wild child. So like a four-year-old that can't move for six weeks is like insane to me. Yeah, that's nuts. Normally at that age, you just expect them to pop back up when they take falls. Exactly, and I'm sure that's what the coaches and everything were thinking. But, yeah. Dude, I definitely have to get... I don't know if it's called a root canal or if it's called, like, major surgery, but I've been chewing to my through my teeth like crazy recently. Like, do you, do you guys grind your teeth in your sleep? I don't. I used to. I do not anymore, luckily. Oh man, I had a mouthpiece, but it fell on the ground one night, and uh, I didn't want to put it in my mouth after that. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> my my back left bottom tooth is literally half of a tooth now. Every morning, I wake up and spit out a piece of it. I feel that's like insane. that's an easy to solve problem, right? You can either clean it or get another one. <laughs> get a <laughs> get another <laughs> mouthpiece. But, dude, it sucks wearing it, too. It's not just that it fell on the ground. That was just my excuse, I guess. But, yeah, dude, I I need to get, like, some sort of digging out procedure done on that. Before uh, it kills me, probably. Yeah, so so back to uh, depths, bro. Like, uh, what would you tell the aspiring depths player in this new metagame? Where where would you suggest that they start? Um, again, having very little reps, just just looking at it from afar and guessing. I think the turbo lists are probably or the rainbow lists are probably fine still. You probably just want to tweak around the edges. So uh when people ask me like direct messages or whatever, what I've been telling them is where I would probably start is uh you know, opening up a slot or two on the sideboard and uh just jamming an extra copy or two of answers to some of the more annoying things so i would probably put an extra copy of force of vigor in the board to start just because like you said earlier moon stompy is a uh or basuda red whatever whatever the current name for blood moon dot deck with creatures is um yeah put a couple of extra cards in to make sure you're covered there everything else should be pretty good um looks like spell-based combo is getting hammered so maybe you could find some space um on that front yeah, because um, I haven't seen that at all. Like when I was looking, like I know goldfish is really, really not the greatest metric for meta percentages, but right. when you see like the total storm, like percentage is like three, yep. <laughs> like with all of the versions combined, 
Like it's just you know you're gonna play a you're gonna play a spell based combo deck that's not Doomsday once every twenty five matches. Like you can probably uh, not worry about that as much. And given that the uh, the slower variations of depths are probably just way way more playable than they were. Like I think they were stone unplayable during the yeah. Oko meta, and I think now you know certain cards have uh, been unbanned. I think Mox Diamond problem still might not be great, but it's it was unplayable before and now i think it is so you could probably go to slow black green if you want um green white in particular looks way better than it did to me before yeah so what uh, do you think of reclaimer do you think that reclaimer has a spot in rainbow or uh i run it as a one of in reclaimer in, uh, in rainbow and that's pretty much where you're at as a max i ran it as a four of an old bug depths um, because that's really where you need to be. Like, right. If you're going to run the Reclaimer, you need to have one plan or the other, either black, green, green, white, or um, or old bug, where you're going a little slower, you have a little bit more development time, you have a backup plan of swinging with some extra creatures, and when they're 3-4s, which they're much more reliably 3-4s, and a deck that has Mox Diamond to discard lands in addition to all the fetches and the crop rotations and stuff, you can... You can pretty easily get three lands into play by turn two or turn three in those ver- in those versions. And Rainbow Depths has no fetch lands, no mox diamonds, and you can't reliably get three um, lands into the graveyard that early to be able to play them out against things like Bolt. Um, and on top of that, that's not really what the game plan is. Like Turbo wants to have the combo and attempt to kill them as early as possible or with protection as early as possible and reclaimer is just a little too slow for that strategy like it's fine as the ninth tutor so like once you've already maxed out on crop rotations and maxed out on sylvan scryings like it's the next best tutor so that's why it's there as a one of and it is really really good in matchups where they can't get it off the table Um, right so as a one of and then you can board it out in the matchups it's not great so i think that's where it's at for the faster depth strategies but it's great in any of the ones that are trying to go a little bit slower it makes a lot of sense to me so speaking of, you mentioned sylvan scrying how do you feel about the old border cards man uh i love so that was the i hadn't purchased an actual paper magic card in over a year yeah. <laughs> uh, i went on protest after renin six um <laughs> when i was trying out some of the uh some of the Shrek builds yeah. um, for fun. And I was like, oh, this is fun. I'll take this to an event and mess around with it. And it got banned immediately. And I was like, okay, this is the the pattern now of they'll print really expensive Mythic and then it'll get banned. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just not buying newer cards at this point. And luckily, Depths is the type of strategy you don't really need a lot of cards. But for the, for the old border cards... Uh, they suckered me. So I got... Nice. I got Thought Seizes, Decays... Vampire Hex Mages, and there was something Sylvan else scrying. too. But no, I did not get the Sylvan Scryings because they did not use the appropriate art. Oh, wow. So they grabbed the newer art, which I'm not as big of a fan of. So I'm That's me old. with Lingering Souls, man. Yeah, so old school Sylvan Scrying stays. Oh, Late Line of the Void is the other card um, that I got for the sideboard. Nice. Yeah. So I got, I got an update. There are two rares left in the last six cards and i get the last card so we'll see i'll let you guys wow. know in a, in a minute or so but maybe this wow. is a melatonin or yeah and i would just i wanted to keep the cast updated in case what was the first rare uh the first rare was typhoon 
Uh, okay, so I think add uh, Oaken Shield is another rare. So there's one rare that left is, in five that cards. That is a rare. So one rare left in the last five cards. I get the last card. Wow. 20% Dude, that... chance of having a Legends rare. We'll see. That's pretty good, bro. You, you'd oh, sign up for that, right? <laughs> it's literally just buying a, a Magic card scratch ticket. And I don't know why I did it, but this is fun to watch. Pixie I'm, fighting, Queen, I'm fighting off the urge to bring up Legends Rares and the Gatherer and naming like the worst cards for the rare days. <laughs> oh, it, it absolutely could be. It could be like a ten dollar rare. But these are. Right it used to be Pixie Queen. That's right out. Oh, of the I don't. Pack. I saw Pixie Queen on a buy list. Isn't it like a hundred dollars? Uh, yes, like dude, it's a hundred dollars <laughs> now. That's what's insane. The only Legends pack I ever bought that was my rare. That's why I was hyper aware of it. Yeah, but, I was looking at Card Kingdom's buy list the other day. I'm um, thinking about. Like, getting rid of some other cards and uh i saw some really weird stuff on there in like the three digit range like acid rain and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, like what is going on dude so you have a pretty sizable collection huh uh well no i was just going through there i actually got rid of um my vintage cards about a month oh, or two wow. ago so, a month or two ago yeah no shit good for you yeah i've been uh been downsizing a little bit it got to the point where where when you're holding power cards you're really going to show up like me personally i'm not comfortable like traveling to and walking into an event with a fifty thousand dollar deck which it was the most minimum that's like minimum for a vintage deck that's not dredge i guess Um, it was the most nervous i've ever been at a magic tournament the eternal weekend that i brought power to it was just the whole weekend i felt like uh a sense of apprehension that i've never felt before wow yeah, so it's like vintage is is sweet, and I used to really enjoy playing it. I was really into it, like back before Gifts on Giving got banned the first time. And oh, every couple of years, I'd be like, I'm not going to sell these, even though I don't think the prices could go that much higher. Um, and I may want to play in an event someday, and it just kept going. Like that cycle kept going, and I'm just like, you know what? The prices are kind of ridiculous now. They continue to go up. I'm not going to sweat it. Um, but I'm clearly not going to events either. And even if I do, there's only a handful that won't let you proxy. So True. Unless I'm planning on traveling to an eternal weekend, which I wasn't. Um, there's no real reason to have them just hanging out around the house. Yeah, I downgraded to mostly CE of the vintage stuff. But I'm still holding a few pieces. I don't really know why, honestly. Tom, what do we got? Give me the update. Okay, so I think they just flipped the last rare, so I don't have a rare. That's what rough. was the last rare? Uh, Ixa Arian. Oh, At least no, I think Zyra. that's a rare. Yeah. Zyra. Yep. Yeah, she was uh, unfortunately yep. reprinted in Chronicles, which keeps her from being $300 rare. So the real question is, do you have an uncommon slot left? Uh, there might be. I was just I was counting the rares. I wasn't counting the uncommons. I'm pretty sure I'm going to flip like a uh something that i don't want to say on the cast anymore and now i'm regretting building up to what card i'm gonna get the last one is probably gonna be no more uncommons and we've already established it's gonna be tabernacle (sighs) yeah this is an extra rare that slipped in there for sure it's gonna be a misprinted tabernacle yeah or like a crimp that would be nice upside down tabernacle well tabernacle's uncommon right no i thought it was rare. rare it's rare is it I yeah, it was uncommon for some reason. The I think some of the older sets didn't have like a rare rarity. They just had uncommon three or uncommon one. Oh, no, but okay. legends legends did though. Yeah, 
but what most was it? of Arabian Nights that didn't have rares. It was just on commons. Arabian Nights, Antiquities, Fallen Empires. They none of them had rares. Okay. The Dark. Yeah, but Legends is the the lone exception. It was a full size set, like three sixty three or whatever. Yeah, Caracas or Mana Drain, I guess, would be the big uncommons. There are two cards left. We can keep talking. I'll let you guys know when it comes up. <laughs> I think they messed up the ordering. So somebody who thought they got a rare didn't because they had two number 41s. They have all like the sleeves lined up with the numbers that they're double-sleeving everything into. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a sight. Bro, I, I have like... 20% of this Jameson bottle left and this is like the last day of my birthday week and I kind of wanted to finish this by now well I mean so like I'm you de- can just do it I'm debating whether I should just do you have to do you have to work tomorrow for it. yes I do dude I got a fucking bonus on Wednesday that I, I won in I won an award that I didn't know about and got this bonus and like I was I was happy about it right but then I woke up this morning you know how you solve problems in your dreams we talked about this yeah yeah, Uh, yeah. i woke up this morning like oh shit i just got a bonus because like you do you know that fucking maybe you don't but all of a sudden there's a target on your back right like your phone's gonna be ringing the next morning with like all these new expectations right that's just like how it goes and i like wasn't thinking about it on wednesday i was just in like party mode and then today was like a, a hell day right it was just like uh like day one at this company again where like you get thrown all these projects and expectations and uh i really shouldn't be hung over tomorrow is what i'm trying to say (laughs) i got you all right the card is about to come up let me tell you what it is they're they're about to flip it turn it over dude just turn the card over just turn over my card so I can be disappointed. Alabaster potion. What are we doing? <laughs> He's talking about the door prize. Is it Mashi? Wait, wait, say it again. Is it Mashi? Who's doing it? Uh, I'm actually not sure. I've had it muted. Oh. I got a fucking rust. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Get got. Uh, stifle an artifact. It's, it's a pretty a nice, sweet card, it's a nice honestly. Conditioned rust. <laughs> you could send it to get graded. <laughs> Why the fuck did I do this? Dude, rust is such a funny card. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Tom. No, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Tom Hepp, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that, man? You probably don't want them to, but... <laughs> I'm fine. I try to uh, respond to people. Um, I'm basically Negator77 everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, Discord, um, or just Tom Hepp on Facebook if for some reason you're still using that. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Who the fuck is still using Facebook? But... Anyway. If messenger if messenger was not a thing i would not have an account dude that's like the fact right if mess messenger saved their ass like whatsapp saved their ass but yeah i uh do not have a twitter anymore but you can find me at um 
Tom, where can people find you? <laughs> you can find me at TSmileyMTG. You can follow the cast at Dead Format Cast. You can find Ian at No More Socials. Dead Format Cast at gmail.com, right? Find yeah, me on Telegram. So yep. Uh, yeah. I am uh, checking out. That's a wrap. All right. Good night, everybody. Tom, it was good Dude, to talk this- to you again. That was great. Do you remember meeting each other, by the way? Well, I know that I was like, uh, we, we definitely met at multiple events. I 100% remember meeting him and talking to him. But I think the last time we met was like at a bar in Richmond where I was just fucking wrecked. Um, <laughs> yes. That, I, I definitely met you at like the Star City in Philly, like the team tournament or whatever the one that was at the casino. And then again at the bar in Richmond. And I remember that I was just sloppy that night. It was so rough. So I apologize for whatever I said that night, but I do remember that. No, nah, it's all good. I was much, I was much more offended when you beat me at Columbus. That okay? So uh, <laughs> back when I was good at Magic, back when I was good, that was a really good, that was a really good tournament. Damn, I don't yes. think we've ever met, Tom. Have we? Not that I can recall. No. Not that I can recall either. Are so. you, uh, you guys going to the pit event? Oh yeah. Well then, I guess I will meet you there. Oh sweet! You see, so you just couched like this thing. Like I'm not comfortable. Oh no, that was with the the power. I'm sorry. I was like yeah. filling in the blanks for you and and thinking that you weren't going to this pit event. Yeah, legacy's not nearly as bad. It's just if I end up running like old school bug, it's four duels and some fetches. It's really the only expensive card. And if I run rainbow, it's it's literally the cheapest deck in legacy, I believe. Sick. We're very close yeah. to it. If it's not. That like sounds about right. I mean, no unless fetches, Gemstone no, Mines no like two hundred dollars no, now. No, it's like fifteen, twenty bucks, something like that. Nice. It is a nostalgic card, though. I love looking at that card. But yeah, dude, this was awesome. I uh, this went way better than I thought it would. This was a uh, <laughs> this was a really <laughs> good cast. That says. <laughs> <laughs> thought you were gonna suck. No, no, very, I, it dude, was very, I it was very mediocre. So it blew my mind. <laughs>